Hey guys, welcome to the View from the Front podcast, a fast-moving military defense news podcast. For those who don't know, my name is Stan R. Mitchell, and I'm a prior Marine and journalist. Every week, I primarily do three things. First, I work to highlight what our military troops are doing around the world, while also trying to better educate Americans about looming hotspots and foreign policy news you absolutely should know. Second, I attempt to unite our country and remind us of how lucky we are to live in America. Our division and animosity toward each other is dangerous, and I want to do my small part to remind us that more unites us than divides us, and that most Americans are good. Finally, I always share plenty of motivation and wisdom at the end of each episode because I want to do my small part to help encourage you and lift you up. Life is certainly hard, and I think it's fair to say all of us need all the motivation and encouragement that we can possibly get. Every Thursday, I produce this podcast, so if you haven't signed up yet, I'd appreciate if you did. All episodes are ad-free, and it's completely free to sign up and join the email list, or you can help sustain and support the show for $5 per month. Subscribing will also get you the View from the Front Extended, which is a newsletter that I put out. You can find out how to subscribe from my Substack page, which is stanrmitchell.substack.com. Again, that's stanrmitchell.substack.com. And with that out of the way, let's get started. This is the April 20th edition of The View from the Front, and we're really glad to have you here. In this episode, we'll be discussing several topics, which you probably haven't seen in the news. As I always say, our media does a terrible job covering our military and looming hotspots, so I'm hoping to fill this void. But in addition to ending with some awesome motivation and wisdom, we'll cover the following items. U.S. forces have conducted a helicopter raid in northern Syria, likely killing a senior leader of the Islamic State, or also known as ISIS. In other news, authorities have arrested a suspect in the U.S. classified documents leak case. I'll go over that. Moving along, seven years after the 2016 election, Russia continues to drive a wedge through the heart of American society. I'll explain that. In other news, to our north, Canada is missing its defense spending goals, and that has our leaders and members of NATO worried. I'll explain that as well. In Russia news, Slovakia has given Ukraine the remaining 9 of 13 promised warplanes, I'll explain how they got them there, what that means for Ukraine. Also in Russia news, we'll talk about two arrests. Uh, I'll give you an update on the Wall Street Journal reporter who got some bad news from a Russian court, as did a Russian opposition leader. I'll give you brief details about that that have come out. In China news, China has sent a warning regarding the U.S. and Philippine combat drills going on. And also in China news, the FBI has arrested two defendants who allegedly operated the police station in Lower Manhattan, and these two individuals allegedly destroyed evidence when confronted by the FBI. Then we'll move to the Middle East. In Middle East news, Saudi Arabia has flexed its diplomatic muscle again, I'll explain. And finally, Egypt and Saudi Arabia, who are supposed U.S. allies, are using threats, physical surveillance, hostage-taking, and prosecutions to try to silence dissidents and rights activists in the United States. We'll cover that as well. I typically share a personal news update at this point, but the only thing I'm going to share this week is that I did get some feedback from some folks, and the shorter format seemed to be the preferred option, so 
I'm going to try to make it even tighter and shorter and more concise and we'll see how that goes. We begin our coverage by discussing the helicopter raid in Syria. That helicopter raid by U.S. forces, which occurred in northern Syria on Monday, resulted in the, quote, probable death, end quote, of a senior leader of ISIS. That's according to the U.S. military. And in a statement, U.S. Central Command said the ISIS leader, who they did not name, was responsible for planning terrorist attacks in the Middle East and Europe. Additionally, there were two other armed individuals who were killed that were alongside that target of the raid. No U.S. troops were hurt, and the military also said no civilians were harmed in the operation. Part of how they believe that this leader was actually, in their words, quote, probably killed is that Syria's White Helmets, which is a civil defense group that operates in the opposition-held areas of northern Syria, they reported transporting two wounded members from the raid to a local hospital. The White Helmets later said these two died and that a third person was killed when the U.S. forces landed for the raid. That also is according to the White Helmets. Of course, if you follow military news very much, you know that there's no real way to verify this information. There are almost no reporters operating in that area. But it is a... Again, a good reminder to remember that U.S. forces are operating around the world, and in parts of the world, they are still carrying out very dangerous missions. Moving along, we talked about last week that there was a person that was right on the verge of being arrested or possibly had been arrested. The news was literally breaking as I was recording that. But a suspect has been charged in that U.S. classified documents leak case. The gentleman's name was Jack Teixeira. He was arrested by the FBI on Thursday. As I said, it was happening as I was re recording the podcast. The suspect served in the Air National Guard. He was a low-ranking IT official. He did hold a top-secret security clearance, and he allegedly began posting documents online roughly in December, according to court documents. Uh, again, the suspect is 21. He was putting that information in a chat room. The U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said the Air National Guardsman is being investigated for the, quote, alleged unauthorized removal, retention, and transmission of classified national defense information. I'm sure that case will start to proceed along, and as it does, I'll try to keep you guys updated. But at least one individual has been arrested in the leak case, and that of course, could lead to additional investigations or arrest. As I said last week in the podcast, there have been quite a few stories that have emanated from those leaks, and this one that I'm about to describe is another one that has come out from those leaks. Uh, Russian intercepts from some of their online fake accounts and some of the Russian operators chatting with each other have described that typically only about 1% of those fake accounts that they are creating are actually being tracked and halted or disabled. So, yet again, seven years after the 2016 election, Russia continues to drive a wedge through the heart of American society. The intercepts claim that Google and Meta, which is of course the new name for Facebook, as well as other social media sites, are not doing a very good job of capturing who exactly these bots and fake accounts are. The intercepts also say that part of what their goal is, 
two things. One, demoralize Ukrainians and those who are supporting the war, and also to exploit divisions among Western allies in Europe and, of course, in the U.S. Of course, you may be asking, how exactly does all of this work? The way it works is that you will have a fake account post something, and then you will have hundreds, if not thousands, of other accounts like or share that post. That starts to get it to go viral, then other people start to discuss it, and then you've got six or eight hours of, of Americans fighting with each other over what was a lie to begin with, and then later in the day, perhaps the fact checkers will finally get caught up with the lie and knock it down as propaganda. But during that time, you've spent eight hours or so creating division and stirring up animosity among Americans. So the Russians have become very good at this, and increasingly the Chinese and even the Iranians are starting to work at this same skill. This is just one of the reasons that I often say on here, be kinder on social media, because half of the time, the person that you are arguing with, in many cases, is usually not even real. But in the cases where real Americans get swept into it, they are already angry because they've been either stoked by bots or propaganda folks to be very angry. So they're already upset and angry, and the last thing they need is a real American who they can look at a photo, look at some past posts, and see that you're real, call them a name such as a fascist or something like that. That's the last thing they need. That's why I'm constantly saying be kinder on social media. So one of the best ways to fight this is obviously report it, but just be kinder to your fellow Americans. Moving away from America to news happening elsewhere, let's go first to Canada as part of the leaks that have come out from the document scandal, one of the documents say that Canada could not conduct a major operation while simultaneously maintaining its NATO battle group in Latvia, as well as its current amount of aid to Ukraine. And that furthermore, the leak says that the situation is not likely to change without a shift in public opinion. Of course, Canada does bear some responsibility with the United States for defending North America from various threats such as Russia as a part of NORAD or North American Aerospace Defense Command. And the leaked document bears the seal of the U.S. Joint Chief of Staff. So this is definitely something that is at the highest level of the Pentagon. In fact, that same document says that Germany is concerned about whether the Canadian Armed Forces can continue aiding Ukraine while also meeting its NATO pledges. And there was also information in it that Turkey is disappointed that Canada was unable to support the transport of humanitarian aid after the deadly earthquake in February, and furthermore that Haiti was frustrated by Canada's reluctance to lead a multinational security mission to that nation. For those who have a great memory, we did discuss Haiti. I think that was in November, and I did think there was a chance that perhaps U.S. troops and maybe those from Canada could end up going, but that did not happen, and it looks like this could have been one of the reasons why. Now, on the plus side of the ledger, since 2022 last year when Russia invaded Ukraine. Canada has provided more than a billion dollars worth of military aid to Ukraine. It includes armored vehicles, ammunition, surface-to-air missile systems. It even has provided eight German-made Leopard 2 tanks, which were transferred to Poland. 
and Canada has even trained up to 36,000 Ukrainian military and security personnel since 2015. Plus, as I said, it does lead that NATO battle group in Latvia. However, having said all of that, NATO members are concerned that Canada has not increased the number of uh, personnel deployed to Latvia. And that's concerning because they've made a pledge to do so. So they have not met that commitment. And then additionally, the folks in the Pentagon are concerned that the Canadian Armed Forces lack significant Arctic capabilities and that they have not created modernization plans for increasing that capability to the north, despite multiple public statements stating that they were. So this has emerged about Canada, and we'll see if they react in a more aggressive way to build up their military some or increasing their spending. I'm sure this was embarrassing for this information to come out about the Canadians as well as for the Pentagon to have had one of their inner working documents spread out for the world to see. But it has been reported, so me putting this out on my podcast hasn't made it any worse than it already is. I'm just sharing that Canada is facing its own spending decisions and its own military assistance decisions, same as we do in the U.S. on a regular basis. I also wanted to share it because I think it was kind of illustrative of just how much Canada does that we don't really give them credit for. So many people think the U.S. is the world's policeman, and you forget sometimes that it's not just the U.S. that's helping intervene in countries and aid countries when natural disasters happen. Moving away from North America, let's move to Russia and the Ukraine war. As I said in the beginning of the podcast, Slovakia has transferred the remaining 9 of 13 promised warplanes. I reported a week or two ago that the first four were flown there by Ukrainians. Ukraine had sent some support staff to check out the planes, make sure they were flyable. Then Ukrainian pilots flew those into Ukraine. Now, of course, these planes from Slovakia... Not all of them were in the best of conditions, so the remainder had been put on trains and transported to Ukraine. Now, those who have kept up with the podcast know that Ukraine has some planes there that aren't flyable, that they are going to take parts from those planes from Slovakia, as well as parts from some of the planes that aren't flyable in Ukraine, and then get more planes that are able to operate Ukraine does currently have more pilots than working aircraft after a year of heavy losses. So these aircraft are going to help Ukraine a lot. It's expected they will be used to take part in air defense as well as uh, assisting ground defensives that the Ukrainians are expected to mount anytime. But it's been stated in the spring or summer. I also mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that there was news about the Wall Street Journal reporter, Evan Gershkovic, who is the Wall Street Journal reporter. He lost a an appeal, and so the Russian court said that the charges of espionage will remain. He's 31 years old, and as I said last week, he's probably going to be just held as a hostage so that the U.S. will potentially trade someone to get him back. The other court news from Russia is one of their main opposition activists, his name's Vladimir Karamurza. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison. 
The interesting thing about Vladimir Karamurza is he had the opportunity to flee Russia and he chose to stay and speak out against the war and so he has been sentenced to 25 years in prison which is the harshest prison term that uh, any government opponent has been given to date. Many have been given 10 years but Vladimir Karamurza received a 25 year sentence. I so often say that in America we are very fortunate to have freedom of speech and both of these arrests are just further proof that Russia is a country that I don't think any of us would want to voluntarily live in. Just a quick reminder, if you love what you're listening to, please sign up for email notifications. It's free to do so unless you choose to subscribe and support what I'm doing. There is an additional benefit to subscribing, which is you will get the view from the front extended. That is an email that comes out on Mondays that has just a quick summary of the latest military news happening out there. And again, that only goes out to paid subscribers. People are always asking me on social media how to best support my dreams, including getting out future books sooner. Believe me, the best way to support me is by signing up for a paid subscription. You can find out all the details through my Substack page, and you can support through both Substack, Patreon, or Venmo. Again, all those details are on the Substack page. But believe me, you don't have to do any of these things. I've already had incredible support and feel called to do this. So as long as I'm making enough to cover the time I invest each week, I'm not going anywhere. All right, enough of the sales pitch. In China news, there were two things that I wanted to make sure that we squeezed into the podcast. First, China has sent out a warning to the U.S. stating that the U.S. and Philippines staging combat drills was not something they were too happy about. I did do a little bit more research on those new bases in the Philippines that the U.S. has signed an agreement on to train and host U.S. troops at, and they do provide a area that additional surveillance can be conducted from is these are two bases are in the northern part of the Philippines and they will allow the US and the Philippines of course but primarily the US to see exactly what is going on in the Strait of Taiwan but also in the South China Sea where of course Beijing claims virtually the entire set of islands there as well as a couple of man-made ones Of course, the U.S. and many countries around those islands dispute the allegations by China that those are Chinese islands. So this is a high point of tension in the area and a place where friction will probably increasingly occur. The other story I wanted to cover in news about China is kind of shocking, and it also ties into a story that we'll cover in just a few minutes after this one. But there was a press release from the FBI and the Attorney General's office regarding China operating a secret and illegal police station in New York City. And it actually was in the lower part of Manhattan. I wanted to cover just a few things from that arrest information. Two individuals were arrested. They are actual residents of the U.S., They are alleged to be working with the government of China to do a few different things. That includes helping locate a Chinese dissident who was an opponent of China. They helped locate him in the United States. They also obstructed the investigation of the FBI by deleting communications. The U.S. attorney who's helping prosecute it said that China's government had committed a flagrant violation of the United States sovereignty by 
creating the secret police station in right in the middle of New York City. One of those charged was asked by the Chinese government to help a help cause a fugitive from China to return back to China and in 2018 the victim reported being repeatedly harassed to return to China including through threats of violence made to the victim and the victim's family both in the United States and in China so that was a pretty serious event that happened back in 2018 and again in 2022 one of the individuals was asked by China to help locate an individual living in California who is a pro-democracy activist. The two individuals who were arrested face a maximum sentence of five years in prison for the conspiring to act as agents of China and they also face obstruction of justice charges and those carry a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. Let's move from news about China to news about the Middle East. There were two things that I wanted to cover in regards to the Middle East. First, the Saudi Arabia has again flexed its muscles, its diplomatic muscles if you will. They have actually gone into Yemen to discuss a potential settlement to end the war in Yemen, which has been going on for nine years. It hasn't made the news a lot in the past couple of years because it ended up kind of dragging out. But there is a chance that some type of peace treaty with the Houthi rebels in Yemen could potentially happen. That would be a huge win for Saudi Arabia because they have been mired in this comment in this conflict for, like I said, nine years now. But the second story I wanted to share is quite similar to the one that we just reported on from China. There was a report released that says that the U.S. allies in America, these two allies are Egypt and Saudi Arabia, are acting in ways that are not the way allies would act. In fact, this report states that Egypt and Saudi Arabia are using threats, physical surveillance, hostage-taking, and even prosecutions to try to silence uh, outspoken opponents and rights activists, and they're doing this on U.S. soil. The report is from the Freedom Initiative, which is a nonprofit rights organization that was originally founded by an Egyptian American advocate. His name was Mohammed Sultan, and it really goes after Egypt. And in that report, it says that Egypt continues to jail two U.S. legal permanent residents, it names them. It also says that there are two U.S. citizens who have been banned from even leaving Egypt. Apparently, they want to leave. And additionally, that Egypt has repeatedly detained family members of individuals who live outside of Egypt in retaliation for criticism of the Egyptian government. The report also goes after Saudi Arabia. It says Saudi Arabia has wrongfully detained or placed travel bans on U.S. citizens. It also said that there are eight individuals that Saudi authorities have either detained or disappeared family members of eight individuals. Even more crazy, four of them said they had been physically followed while in the United States, and five reported receiving threatening phone calls or messages. So again, this is pretty abhorrent behavior by Egypt and Saudi Arabia, and I don't think it really surprises any of us, but it is kind of shocking to know that the reach of these countries is outside even their own geographic areas in the Middle East into places like Europe and, even more crazy, the United States. 
I will definitely keep you guys posted if anything additional comes out after this report has been released, but it is pretty shocking to say the least. You would just like to think that in the United States you would be free from anyone following you or trying to intimidate you, whether they were from the Chinese government, the Egyptian government, or the government of Saudi Arabia. Those are things that should not be tolerated at all in our country. Let's end the news coverage there and get to the best part of the show. Alright, so let's get to the motivation and wisdom portion of the podcast. I truly hope these help pick up your spirits, revive your hopes, and help make you a better person. So with that out of the way, let's just begin. The first one. Worry less, smile more, don't regret, just learn and grow. Again, that one is worry less, smile more, don't regret, just learn and grow. Next one. If you want to go big, stop thinking small. Again, if you want to go big, stop thinking small. Next one. Surround yourself with positive people who will support you when it rains, not just when it shines. That's a great one. Again, that one is, surround yourself with positive people who will support you when it rains, not just when it shines. Next one. Just love everyone. Remember that everyone you meet is afraid of something, loves something, and has lost something. Again, that one is, just love everyone. Remember that everyone you meet is afraid of something, loves something, and has lost something. Next one. Trust yourself. You've survived a lot and will survive whatever is coming. Again, it is trust yourself. You've survived a lot and will survive whatever is coming. Next one. Our experiences shape us. Appreciate them, for you wouldn't be the person you are without them. Again, our experiences shape us. Appreciate them, for you wouldn't be the person you are without them. Next one. Make prayer your lifestyle, not your emergency contact. That's a great one. Again, make prayer your lifestyle, not your emergency contact. Next one. Don't let the same people disappoint you twice. Again, don't let the same people disappoint you twice. Next one. It is not knowing what to do. It's doing what you know. Again, it's not knowing what to do, it's doing what you know. Next one. Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. That's a quote from Aristotle. Again, the quote is, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. So figure out your weaknesses, figure out your strengths, know yourself. Next one. Don't stress. Do your best. Forget the rest. I bet you've probably heard that one. I've heard it before as well, but so many of these, you just forget them. And you get into the weeds of whatever situation you're in, and you don't know how to get yourself out of it. And it's because you're too close to it. And then you'll tell a friend about it, and they're like, dude, you need to do this. And you're like, oh, of course, why didn't I think of that? Again, don't stress, do your best, forget the rest. Next one, stop thinking you are not ready Nobody is ever ready 100% when an opportunity shows up. Go for it anyway. Once again, stop thinking you are not ready. Nobody is ever ready 100% when an opportunity shows up. Go for it anyway. 
All right, next one. You will never be this young again. Do what makes you happy. Again, you will never be this young again. Do what makes you happy. Next one. There has never been a man in our history who led a life of ease whose name is worth remembering. Man, that's a great one. There has never yet been a man in our history who led a life of ease whose name is worth remembering. And of course, that's probably said by someone a hundred years ago, so it uses the word man, but don't get too wrapped up in that. You could change it to person. One more time. There has never yet been a person in our history who led a life of ease whose name is worth remembering. Yes, that's a good one. Sitting on your haunches and sleeping in half the day is not going to get you where you want to be. Next one. Don't let your dreams die. Keep going. Again, that one is, don't let your dreams die. Keep going. I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. I always think that's a great one to end with. And with that, thanks for joining us this week on The View from the Front. For those who want to know a little bit more about me, here's the short version. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, and I left home to join the Marine Corps at the age of 17. I was also crazy enough to demand that the Marine Corps put me down for guaranteed infantry. I served four years in the infantry, saw enough danger to decide I no longer had anything else to prove, and I exited military service in 1999. I earned a degree from the University of Tennessee in journalism and spent 10 plus years in the news business. I worked initially as a reporter, but then went on to start a weekly newspaper. What can I say? Anyone crazy enough to start a weekly newspaper at the age of 27 is probably a dreamer and an optimist, and I confess that I'm both. I owned that weekly newspaper for nine years, but once it was clear that owning a newspaper wasn't the best path to financial security, I went on to become an author. To date, I've written 11 books, and while I still have my sights set on the tallest peaks in the writing world, I'm now here as well, a once-a-week podcaster who's still in love with both this country and the news. And I see this podcast as a small way to continue serving our country, doing my best to inform and unite us in a time that we're as divided as we've probably been in a hundred years. Well, I've talked enough about me. I really hope you'll consider at least signing up to be a free subscriber. And if you can, consider at some point becoming a paid subscriber. Again, you can do both of these things at my substack, stanrmitchell.substack.com. Again, that's stanrmitchell.substack.com. As a reminder, please be kind and try your best to love your fellow Americans. Let's all work together to unite this country. And also, please try to be a better person each and every day. Try to be kinder on social media and how you interact with others with whom you disagree. And if you've got a dream kicking around in the back of your mind, go after it. If you have that friend or family member that you know you should reach out to, who you haven't talked to in a few months, reach out to them. Also, if you haven't already put a rating on some of the social media places that you listen to us, whether it's Apple Podcasts or some of the others, if you could drop a rating, that'd be great. We're trying to get those up because I've heard if you get them up to 30 or 40, then the algorithms take over. So that'd be a great way to help out. Finally, I should mention my books. I've written 11 of them. You can find all of those books on Amazon by simply searching my name, Stan or Mitchell, or you can find a link to them in the Substack notes. Again, thanks so much guys for joining us this week. And with that, I am out.